0: Just a quick disclaimer, the FMD is not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent or cure any disease and has not been evaluated by the FDA. The discussion in this podcast is educational in nature and the discussion of results of studies in mice should not be assumed to occur in humans. FMD provides many of the benefits of fasting but has not been studied to provide the many benefits of intermittent or prolonged periodic fasting discussed in the podcast. Now on with the show. Hi, my name is Ben Atkinson, and welcome to the Functional Health Podcast. I interview some of the leading voices in nutrition and lifestyle medicine, and I will share with you their stories, their expertise, and their advice, shedding light on the industry from each of their perspectives to help improve your health from today. This week, I'm delighted to share with you my conversation with Dr. Joseph Anton. Joseph is the CEO of El Nutri, and today we dive into the different types and benefits of fasting, intermittent fasting, and the fasting mimicking diet. So without further ado, Joseph, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Ben, and I look forward today to sharing uh, amazing information with your audience.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I'm actually really excited today because your portfolio is extensive. Um, So I'm going to dive straight in here. So you specialize in kind of fasting and diets for longevity, but you were originally much more focused on health policy and health systems reform. What interested you in the longevity space after working so long in healthcare policy?
1: Yeah, I mean, they are different because we built a system and, uh, and a medical system and the societal system a little bit uh, differently than it should be. But if you think about it, the way to keep people healthy is to really is to if you want to promote healthcare, not sick care, is you should keep people healthy, and um, and care for the sick for sure. Mm-hmm. But the entire healthcare system should focus on prevention, on keeping the body healthy, keeping keeping us and uh, um, you know improve improve and enhance our aging process and and the way we we take care of ourselves so that from the inside we stay younger and the younger biologically you are, the healthier you are and the less prone you're going to be to developing uh, the four major diseases that are sunking the healthcare system. So um, we're focused a lot on treating diabetes. It's a foodborne disease, so we should be actually focused more on prevention and diets and helping people um, not move towards diabetes. We focus a lot on Treating Alzheimer's when it's late, Alzheimer's today, a lot of experts are calling it are calling it type 3 diabetes. And it is a metabolic disorder. And, you know, it's an aging disorder as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason why, even if you have the ApoE gene, you don't get Alzheimer's at age 20, right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, uh, we call it, yeah, we call it genetic. We call it, it's an aging disease. And, and if your body is aging in a healthier way, Hopefully you're not going to get it, or you're going to get it in a much later stage of your life. Same thing, cardiovascular disease. Um, instead of getting a pill for blood pressure, and another one for cholesterol, and a third one for triglyceride, and a fourth one, uh, you know, for the heartbeat. And, mm-hmm. and you're looking at a patient who has metabolic syndrome, and he's obese, and stressed, and not sleeping well. This is what you want to solve before you start getting to the pills. I'm not saying there's not a role for the pills. Of course, it's with the care system should be should be there, but it should be, you know, almost, almost um, at, at when everything else fails. And today we build this health system that is actually the opposite. We're just, uh, we're just build it in a way that interacts with us after we have a symptom, after we're sick and after it was too late. So my studies on health policy and health systems reform taught me that, and I felt that we needed to build prevention. And this is all when all of us know that think this way. But then when you go practically to prevention, um, there isn't there isn't an economy there. There isn't an, an, uh, you know, a market there aren't, there aren't a lot of products, a lot of investments. It's a collection of recommendations and ideas and suggestions you should eat healthy. Everyone knows you should eat healthy, but it's difficult to do. So have we invested enough to have diets that fit our uh, lifestyle rather than impose on our lifestyle. We're the best thing we've done to people is said, hey, you should eat healthy. And the ones who say, okay, I'm going to start, we just put them right away on a super difficult long-term diet that they can default on. That's not a solution. Same thing, stop smoking, drink less alcohol. I mean, it, it's we know that. It's just We haven't created a process, and reg- a market a reg- that has regulations, that has payments, that has investments the same way we did for pharmaceuticals. We put billions and in, 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 in hundreds of billions of dollars in pharma research. Mm-hmm. We don't even put a fraction of that to create a market for prevention so that people start seeing products, technology, build trust, science, and um, in, in consume in that market and stay healthier longer. So I think they're directly connected. It was my health policy passion and changing system reform passion that took me into longevity and aging and, and food because I think um, first of all, most of the diseases that we suffer from are age-related. You mm-hmm. don't get your first heart attack at age 20. You don't get your first diabetes type 2 at age 21. And again, Alzheimer's definitely not at that age. Number two is if there's one medicine or one poison you put in your body every day, multiple times a day, since the day you're born is called food, <laughs> the food must be the most powerful pill. And the problem is that if you put the wrong pill every day in your body, three, four times a day, you can see how you can get very sick. And if you put the right pill in your body every day, multiple times a day, since the day you're born, you must see how that can be the most powerful medicine ever. So then my entire career and and life conclusion came back to, we should keep our body healthier longer. That's Mm -hmm. the best healthcare we can do. And the best way to do it is through nutrition And this is why I came to Alnutra, which I think is the leading company in the world from nutritional research and discovery. And the focus on nutrition and aging is 100% the right one, not just for us, hopefully for a lot of other companies in the future and hopefully for the healthcare system.
0: Absolutely. I completely resonate with you there in terms of preventative medicine. I think it's hugely important. Um, and to dive into just fasting straight off the bat, because I think we'll we'll get into nutrition a little bit later, um, as in putting things into your body, but this is more the emission of things. So what people might be thinking at home, I like my food. So why should they consider fa- fasting or some form of fasting? And what are the different types of fasting that people can do? Yeah,
1: that's uh, that's a great question. And again, the story of fasting goes to the same story we just talked about. It's not, um, it's not a change of mindset as much as going back to how things should be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you think about it, uh, we as humans, for 99.9% of our existence on planet Earth, hundreds of thousands of years, we didn't have refrigerators at home in the middle of the night to eat at 2 p.m., at 2 a.m. We never had delivery foods delivering food for us at 3 a.m. We actually... You know where where we're consuming food during the day, and whenever we find food, and we can store it a little bit, and then we were sleeping early, you know, at six seven p.m. With the, so when the sun is down, and we wouldn't eat overnight, and then the next day um, we get up and we do breakfast, and the body was balanced with twelve hours of food and twelve hours of no food. Like mm-hmm. we, fancifully, we call it fasting today. It's not fasting; it's just the normal way to eat. <laughs> and then from time to time, when there was Migrations, you know, wintertime uh, wars, or or you know, any any um, major events, or no food availability, uh, we would go several days without food. And so fasting, what we are again today calling in a fancy way fasting, it was actually part of our diet. And the body used to eat and stock when there was food, and actually use the stock and correct and heal and optimize when there was fasting and that's very important fasting is actually not starvation this is why some people kind of look at it this way like why do i need to starve you're not starving you're just rebalancing the way you should be eating you should not be eating all the time Um, otherwise you're just talking you're pushing your body to age and that's that's probably the biggest message for me today is every time you eat you're fueling the biological aging of the body you know when you eat carbs insulin increase that's a growth factor when you grow, you grow biologically. Yeah. IGF increase uh, based on the protein intake. It's an insulin-like growth factor. So both sides, you're pushing the body for growth. And when you grow, you're really uh, you know, sp- speeding up the aging of the body. And this is what's happening today with us. We're seeing the onset of all these chronic diseases at early stage in the life. Um, diabetes at age 40 and 30 and and cancer at, at ages of 40s and and first heart attacks, we're just pushing the biological aging of our body through stress and overeating, and obesity, and increasing what we call inflammation and inflammation rate. These are all accelerators of the aging of the body. And when you age fast, you get faster to, uh, you know, an older body from the inside and the onset of these chronic diseases. So, the way to balance that, the way our body knew how to balance that, is we didn't have food all the time. We're not. In accelerating this gas pedal all the time to go faster forward. We were actually stopping them as pit stops and fasting was the pit stop that allows the body to go back and instead of being always anabolic and stalking, uh, transforming the sugar to, to fat and, and etc. was consuming that fat and this alternation of food and no food was very important for the body
2: mm-hmm. for
1: the body's own balance. And, um, and uh, today we have a flare of obesity and the flare of obesity is inducing this inflammation and acceleration of biological aging and the onset of, of the chronic diseases. So fasting is not an artificial current new diet. Fasting is part of rematching our body to how our body was supposed to eat.
0: Right, that makes perfect sense but in, in terms of the types of fasting which are out there though because people talk about intermittent fasting so that t- almost 12 to 16 hour and then there's more prolonged fasting and then people just talk about fasting overnight because obviously breakfast if you break that word down it's break fast um, and yeah. what are the different types and be- benefits of, of those
1: there's um thanks for the question there's a lot of confusion out there about what is intermittent fasting what is Prolonged fasting or mm-hmm. periodic fasting, and what are the different methodologies, and who should do what? So I'll try to I'll try to go over the typology of fasting, and the types of fasting, and the benefits of each.
0: Um, sure, and so, I might interject with some some certain questions, specific questions as you yeah do. yeah for
1: sure. So I'm going to start with um, intermittent fasting, and under intermittent fa- intermittent fasting, if you want by definition, is fasting for a few hours all the way to two days. Um, that still be be categorized under intermittent fasting. Um, but most people do fast within one day. And this is where it's called time-restricted eating, meaning you're restricting the time within one day, within the same 24 hours, intermittent fasting and time-restricted eating are, are, the, are the two faces of the same coin. Uh, if you're saying I'm fasting for 12 hours, it means you're restricting your eating period to 12 hours. If you're fasting for 16 hours, meaning the time-restricted eating period is now eight hours. Mm-hmm. So, and these are important concepts, especially that a lot of the recent science on intermittent fasting and time-restricted eating and the Nobel Prize actually in, in medicine physiology in 2017 was on the biological clock of the organs, which related, relates directly to fasting. Um, a lot of science happening there. And basically there are, if you want, two schools. There's one school coming from longevity saying you should fast for 12 hours. And this school is led by Professor Walter Longo. And um, he's the head of the Longevity Institute at University of Southern California. Mm-hmm. And he studies centenaries around the world, people living 100 living and beyond, and studies a lot in mice and now humans. And his view is that we are built to, uh, to eat for 12 hours um, and then fast for 12 or 13 hours. So we eat over 11 or 12 and Fast for twelve, thirteen. This follows circadian rhythm. This follows the um, the daily, you know, light and and, and and then and then nighttime hours. And because humanity lived to to mimic that and parallel that, uh, we used to have early dinners, um, uh, six, seven, and then sleep and wake up the next day and break the fast. So again, the word breakfast means fasting was part of our diet, right? And you break it at some point. Yeah. So um, so. Um, so it was meant to be kind of that's the way to balance the body, meaning you eat and then uh, say you had your dinner at six, you have a few hours of digestion, then absorption, then the, the calories gets into the cell and then you wake up in the morning and you start using the calories. So now you need another ingestion of calorie and that's the balance of the body. If you If you eat sooner, which is what's happening today. Today, for example, in U.S., statistics show that people are eating over 16 to 18 hours per day.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so you're prolonging the eating periods, and then you ha- you're putting more more into your body before the expenditures balances that, and the extra goes into fat and and stocks and obesity. Now, if you go longer now on the other side, if you go longer into fasting, and a lot of people talk about the 16 hours, and that school of thought comes from clinicians mainly in doctors um, uh, um, who apply 16-8s because um, the longer you go now on the opposite side, when not 12, you go to 16, you're, you're adding more hours of fasting, and therefore you're going to be in negative uh, energy, uh, caloric intake, and therefore you're going to you know, burn more fat and, and lose more weight. So it's a great way to lose weight, and when you lose weight, you have a lot of metabolic benefits from that um mm-hmm. and um, and and the leaders uh of this school of thought are mainly clinicians because they do see people with diabetes they do see people with obesity they do see people who want to have on the short term a metabolic correction and use the 16 eight with them it's yeah, important to know to be... though sorry carry on yeah so it's it important it's important to know that doesn't that, that comes at an expense when you fast for 16 hours this extra 4 hour of negative food intake, caloric intake, it it comes at the expense of in the morning is when your brain is active and you're going to work, is when your muscle is moving, is when your heart is pumping at a faster rate versus with the sleeping period. Mm-hmm. So you do need, this is why you lose the weight, because these organs are calling for a calorie and the calorie is not there. But it's not that we have a switch and people think that, oh, okay, the calories will switch to ketone and everything is fine. No, there's a stressful period for these organs before the body goes and stru- tries to rescue them first by glycogen and then by ketone burning, but by ketone use. So there's, there's a certain level of stress on and, and, and the, and the vital organs. And this is why, you know, if the day you go to work, you forget, you forget eating breakfast and lunch at 2, 3 PM, you start having a little bit of a headache or you feel a little bit weak. So we recommend, I'm actually, I'm actually with both of thoughts. I, I definitely, if you're healthy and and, and you don't have a condition you you really want to uh, uh, mitigate in the short term, where for the 12, 12 hours of fasting, that's, that this is your balance. And this is what we see people living 100 and beyond typically do their early dinner, and then they stay all the way to the next day. And they do have breakfast, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, in most cultures uh, that that do live up to 100. But again, this breakfast is coming after 12 hours. Um, and now if you're obese, and uh, or overweight, or you want to shed quickly uh, the extra weight, then going up to 16 for a short period of time might be, uh, you know, might outweigh the, the kind of the stress you're reducing on some organs. So wanted to clarify
0: that. No, it's it's a it's a really good point there, and I think the twelve to sixteen hours. I know Dr. Sachin Panda did a lot, did a lot of work into this as well in in mice, and um, I know there's been a lot of human work done as well. Not just an effect on weight, but effect on blood parameters like cholesterol, triglycerides, and blood pressure, which are linked to heart disease. Now some people argue that there seems to be a lack of evidence that the benefits of fasting are directly because most of it's been done on animals are directly translatable to humans. What are your thoughts on that? No, we, we,
1: and that, that was true up until maybe a year or two ago. I think now we have a lot of, um, uh, a lot of clinical trials start to be published, right. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, all the way from the metabolic benefits, uh, some of it on the 5-2 or alternate day fasting, but also um, we have one article in Gem Oncology on um, on overnight fasting and breast cancer. Believe it or not, we're going to talk about that as well uh, if you want. But mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of articles on the fasting mimicking diet. That's a different. That's a longer fast, and obviously longer meaning a lot more, um, a lot a, a bigger intervention on metabolism and and cells. And we'll talk about that when we start talking about prolonged fasting. But I think now we have enough human evidence. And obviously, there's in the U.S. alone, um, 10% of uh, adults who do a diet and 36% do a diet in the U.S. You're talking about tens of millions of people have tried intermittent fasting. So um, the science is catching up, especially the clinical trials. And there's a lot of people practicing fasting. And, and again, there's no magic uh, when, you, when you stay longer without the food versus if you eat um, most of the time, you're going to see this weight loss and weight loss induces a lot of uh, metabolic improvements uh, uh, as well. The the challenge is staying on it. I yes. think that's the uh, that's the challenge is can you every day sustain 16 hours? This is why I'm, I'm more with the school of safety and balance and in 12 hours you can, most people – if you if they push their dinner a little bit earlier and they don't you know when they wake up they get their uh, their breakfast you know uh, um, you know within this twelve hours margin it's very practical and not just practical this is how we were meant to be it's there's a Nobel Prize in two thousand seventeen on that specifically and and Sachin Panda has a lot of work on this time restricted eating and the biological clock of the body yes and yes. not only improve your weight but also your sleep is a big, big impact on between the food and the timing of eating and the night and quality of sleep and and therefore energy the next day. And when you talk sleep, food and energy, you're talking about weight and cardiometabolic health and all of that. So it's really the clock. Um, We use a lot of the clock as a, as a symbol of fasting and, and it's not just a clock of counting times, which is what, you know, a lot of apps today and a lot of, which is needed, the gamification, but it's beyond the gamification. It's really about organs, um, you know, working and then stopping to, to, to be overworked and relaxing and going back to their physiological process. And it's all about nourishing the cells and allowing the cells to spend what they've ingested before they stock another and another, and another load of food. And it's all about balancing rates of insulin and IGF in the body. So that you're not always in anabolic, uh, push of for aging and all these, when you align them, This is when you have the healthy aging and
0: and, and process and longevity. Yeah, it's so interesting because they all interplay with each other and there's a a beautiful interconnectivity with them all. Um, It was interesting. I came across a paper recently, and I'll link to it in the show notes, but it was looking at people who forloaded their calories. So the the idea that you eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, and dinner like a pauper. And I think the split was something like 1,000 calories in the morning to – 500 calories at lunch and then 200 calories for, for dinner um, in the evening. And the way they p- partition calories, they're, they actually put on less weight than people who did the opposite. So having the heavier meal at night. And I found that fascinating as well. And it resonates, I think, with Dr. Sachin Panda's work where they kind of reduced the eating window um, significantly, and I think it was to eight hours, and how the, yeah. the rats, given the same amount of calories who had an eating window of more, I think it was a 15-hour window, but I, 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 yeah. don't quote me on that, um, actually gained weight rather than lost it in the other group, yeah. which is just incredible, yeah. and it shows shows how powerful this can be just with a, rest- a time-restricted eating window.
1: Yeah, that's... that's um... I agree with that, but again, it makes sense. It's, it's incredible because we built a, a system that's, that was pushed on us by research funded by for-profit institutions who wanted to, wanted you to eat what they sell. But if you think about it, obviously, um, you know, dinner is what you eat and then you sleep. It's not when you eat and then you run. Mm-hmm. So whatever you're going to end up eating is going <laughs> to spike insulin IGF and no, no calorie expenditure after that. Breakfast is what you eat, and then you go to work, so you're gonna you're gonna spend there. So it makes sense. The challenge is is how to merge this with, with societal habits because dinner is the most social event, right? So telling people, hey, have a heavy breakfast. I mean, when you when you wake up in the morning, a lot of people don't have that big appetite, and then you tell them have a very light dinner of 200 calories. Dinner is when you come back really hungry and you want to you know. Take your loved one out or share a meal within the family, and it's difficult to tell people not to eat there. So, we 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 need to adjust these perfect settings from science to practical settings. Absolutely, and the practical setting is really. Uh, I'm I'm not sure we want to push people to stay 18 hours without food. Um, I don't think that's um, yeah you would lose weight faster, but that's that's one of the flaws of a lot of scientists is they focus on one channel channel they don't look at the body from a multi-system perspective and i don't think we were meant to stay 18 hours without food i think maybe 12 to 14 and then 16 if needed and 18 if like super needed and there might be cases by the way in the future i don't want to talk a lot of confidential things but there might be cases where you need to go to 18 for certain medical condition and health conditions Mm -hmm. but on on a this is not something to preach to the mass where Most people are healthy outside, and uh, and the more you push them to 18, the more, again, the vital organs are suffering through the transition, but also they're going to default. And I go back and I say the biggest flaw we have in every diet we put out there in the market is we're imposing on people a lifestyle that is very difficult to adopt. So we need to find that balance between what the science says and what we can do. Yeah, and and that I think could be the most practical thing to 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 suggest.
0: One hundred percent. I mean, I recently read a paper out of Professor Robin Franklin's lab at the University of Cambridge, and Dr. Bjorn Newman investigated a, a mice model of MS and found that alternate day fasting helped to improve the regenerative process of stem cells to remyelinate nerves. So, remyelination is key for to to put myelin on nerves so they function properly in the brain and spinal cord, and um, and that was hugely interesting, but also, even if that did apply to humans, it would be so hard to maintain because you go going for periods of 24 hours without any food whatsoever and doing that day after day after day and um, alternate alternate days. And like you said, another intervention would probably be needed in order to make, in order to make that sustainable.
1: This is the essence of our company. Um, El Nutra is how can we, how can we make fasting part of first safe, compliant and then part of people's diet, uh, rather than this, uh, you know, I mean, fasting every other day, it just cannot be right before we read any data, just the, the body is, is a symbiotic homeostatic, you know, environment, you cannot just do yo-yos, uh, strict yo-yos effects on one day, you binge eat, the second day, you don't eat, and the third day, you eat, and it just, this just, we need to respect nature when we do science, and the best science is what empowers nature, actually. Uh, rather than opposes it. We've done a lot of opposition to nature and nothing worked. Um, so many you know hundreds of diets outside and obesity keeps growing. It's because they're just ideas to to be sold and made made money off rather than genuine solutions that people can adopt. And I think this is why we exist over here. We're trying to the fasting mimic and diet trying to make fasting safe and compliant. Mm-hmm. This is another aspect we really need to talk about when you fast you know, that's that's a serious, it, it's, not, it's, it's not something to be taken that lightly, you know, especially when you tell people, hey, stay without food 18 hours and 20 hours. It's happening very lightly, but probably fasting is, is, is one of the rare things that impacts every, every cell in the body. I mean, every cell needs calories to survive. They just cannot, it's not, you know, an optional thing you're putting in your body. It's not mm-hmm. an antibiotic, whether I can survive with it or without it as a cell fasting plays with the calories of every cell. And so whenever you find, this is why you see a lot of benefits at the same time when it's in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And, but what people don't talk about is there could be a lot of non-benefits when it's done in the wrong
0: direction. Yes, especially if people are nutrient deficient to begin with.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, so when you see all these crazy ideas about fasting for so on water and, and every day and 20 hours and there are challenges now, I mean again we might allow that in the future for certain health condition that needs a big intervention but this is we need to keep in mind that people's safety comes first and um and we need to find that right balance of regimens that follow the nature empowered and enhanced nature and 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 in the genetics and, and the physiology of the body and and this is why 12 hours is is as ideal from a balanced perspective you can stretch a little bit if you need to lose weight fast Mm-hmm. this is something that i definitely would recommend so
0: outside let, of let's... these borders
1: going very long etc mm-hmm. uh we've tried to make it safe and compliant with food and this is something we can talk about when we when we uh i yep. finish this session on intermittent fasting and go to a prolonged fasting discussion.
0: Well, let's, let's jump onto prolonged fasting now because you mentioned uh, water fasts and that is something which is becoming increasingly popular in the health space. And I think for good reason as well. People are looking at it from an autophagy point of view, the cellular cleaning mechanisms and purging of senescent cells. And maybe we can dive into some mechanisms of that and what you think of prolonged fasting and how that relates to fasting mimicking diets.
1: Yeah. And again, a lot of uh, conclusion made from mice trials, the human trials are showing up now. And we as a company, we you know, we have 12 trials. Um, So we have, we have probably the biggest view on this, on this topic. Um, That's for sure. So in a way, I always like this analogy between when we talk intermittent and going to prolonged fasting, so prolonged or periodic, fasting is a is, fasting that's long longer than two days. And why, why 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 this two days? I mean, sometimes you say two to three days. Mm-hmm. Again, the body is, is a continuum. There's no switches. Um, so why why put that mark on the two days? In two days, you're really in the fast, deep. start to get into deeper fasting mode. Your ketones are there, but also this is when the body starts going to the next level of defense of protection, which is impacting the cells. So let me, let me use an analogy. Let's say you're a CEO of a company and you have to uh, and say you need a million, million pounds uh, per month to run your company. Mm-hmm. And suddenly we give you zero. That's fasting, right? So first, you know, just kind of reminder that it's a big stress. So we give you zero calories, zero dollars, zero pounds. And so the first thing you're going to do to survive now, this crisis, you're going to go to the bank and use your savings. And if you have some credit, if the bank gives you some credit, you'll apply for that. This is exactly what deliver is. is a credit with neoglucogenesis, and the fat is your savings. Mm-hmm. And so that works day one, day two. But then, so after two months, if you you can live a month or two off your bank reserve, but you're burning a million a month, you're going to see your, your reserves going down fast. You're going to say, well, I need to do a next level of protection. So you start restructuring the, the body. You start the company. Yeah. You start looking inside and say, I have, to, I have to be more effective, right? So you stop some of the projects, you move some people around to different things, you start doing the most important thing, and you start getting rid of all the inefficiencies, or you try to fix some departments going wrong, and that's exactly what the body does at, at day two and three is what we call the autophagy. Is that, you know you're going to the cell and telling a cell, you know I cannot get your colors from the outside, and you're going to have to now go and work on consuming your debris, on consuming your organelles and and um, and live off this difficult time by be, by becoming a better you, uh, a leaner better you, and that's autophagy, self eat, and it won the Nobel Prize in Medicine in 2016. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's a, it's a sign of a stress, a higher level of stress. But it's very exciting in the world of nutrition because that's the first time now nutrition is talking cell, is not talking weight you know for up until now when we talk a diet diet is meant you know to impact your weight and obesity mainly and it wasn't talking about cells and improvement in the cell function or cleaning up of the cell or cellular rejuvenation which now you're you're touching on food as medicine potentially rather than just food as weight
0: yes um
1: and and that's very exciting now if you go longer so that CEO uh, you know restructured Try to save here, you know, you survived month two and three and now you're hitting month four, mm-hmm. what you're going to do as a CEO, you're going to go bankrupt and therefore you're going to just start firing people now. You're going to do more, not functional, but structural changes as well. And you're going to have to fire some people and probably keep the ones, you let go the ones who are expensive and not doing a great job. And you're going to try to protect the ones who are cost effective and they're superstars and, and, um, and this is what... The body we showed does in mice at least and in humans we have the early signs. but at least now we're showing that the body starts uh, uh, trying to get rid of old cells and cells with with damage and try to push the younger cells to go and replace them and we've seen this in mice in multiple of our trials where you see some uh, younger cell activity happening in the body and, and that's part of the regeneration happening there before you declare bankruptcy and then you eat again. So it's important to, because then if you let this company go, it's going to go bankrupt. So now you finance this company. Now it's a lean, mean, you know, super effective machine and it flourishes in the right direction. And that's exactly if you want the the process that Professor Walter Longo discovered. And he's the old, you know, probably the older, uh, 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 oldest fasting, you know, uh, researcher, Time Magazine. In 2018 nominated him among the top 50 most influential people in health mm-hmm. for his his work on fasting so he studied the short term then the longer term and the longer term and he found out that three to five days is when you get is is the optimal balance to stress enough the body but not bankrupt the the body right not getting the body to do wrong decisions it's all still into improving performance reconstruction rejuvenation and then you feed, you refeed. And the refeeding period, the first five days of refeeding are, are critical because once you give back money to this company, the CEO is going to rehire now in key positions. And now he has the chance to hire the right people on a, on a, on a very effective company. So that, that rejuvenation part is as important after refeeding. And this is why we believe more in the cyclicity of fasting rather than in the duration of fasting. So if you go now 10 days on fasting, And you take that CEO off for ten months of no money. I mean, he's going to start making decisions that are harmful to the body. Right? You're going to get. You cannot pay the core staff. You can. You have interruption of supply. You cannot survive, and you can. You can go to bankruptcy. So it's important to understand that. And 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 I use this analogy because it's factual and it represents how the body normally is doing things. Where Mm -hmm. you know the body is 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 a very smart orchestrated. Uh, 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 systems and is how it tries to survive so fasting three to five days can get you into heavy weight loss because again you're you're five days or three to five days without the uh, the, the, uh, with low calories and then that has advantages but then you start doing autophagy day two and three and potentially cellular rejuvenation going all the way to day five and then you refeed
0: and that cellular um, rejuvenation is not just um So it was p- both purging uh, kind of senescent cells, those cells which are kind of not doing anything which is functionally constructive, but they're still, because they can cause inflammatory cytokines of to, be produced, et cetera, but also you said that regeneration process. And I think that's something which happened in Professor Robin Franklin's lab. It was the idea the regenerative process happened, but that was alternate day. But I imagine there would still be some mechanisms which cross over into both the prolonged and the alternate day fasting.
1: Yeah. And um, um, in, in mice is definitely, I mean, we have a lot of papers showing that. Um, we have, um, we as a company, although scientifically approved, that three to five days are, you know, could be a good window. Um, going back to going to mass market, and again, efficacy is important, but safety is more important. Um, you know, asking people to stay three to five days just on water fast is is could be very risky to many,
0: yeah, and I definitely
1: mean, not and definitely not achievable or compliant for most, right?
0: Yes, and, absolutely.
1: And that was the main reason why um, University of Southern California. Uh, and with a, big grants and funds from the National Cancer Institute, the National Institute of Aging, and the National Health Institute, uh, National Institute of Health, they developed the fasting mimicking diet. It was exactly why, why what we're talking about. Meaning, they 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 saw the papers, they saw the preclinical trials. There was a lot of major potential benefits on fasting for several days in a row. And when when the researchers under Professor Longo went to clinical trials. It was so difficult to do the clinical trials in a safe and effective way because you can just asking people to fast for four days was very difficult. And they, they got the sponsorship to develop the fasting mimicking diet. Is Can we still feed them and while, while keeping the stress at the cellular level and allowing the this, this cell to rejuvenate? And, and this is, this is, this was the reason behind um, the birth of the fasting mimicking diet. And I'm clarifying this because um, I don't want to be here pushing people to go on water fast three to five days this is not something that it, it might be very efficacious on, on, on many benefits, but is not always safe and, and healthy to do. So we, we recommend to do it with the food option of the fasting-mimicking diet.
0: So how was the fasting-mimicking diet discovered?
1: Well, it's, um, it's fascinating because this is one of the few projects where it wasn't, it wasn't even a business project. It was out of uh, necessity for science. Um, you know, Professor Walter Longo and his team at the Longevity Institute, uh, again at the University of Southern California, um, they were doing—they were water faster researchers—and um, and when they discovered the impact of, again, one and two and three days uh, of water fasting on food, and and they wanted to go longer, um, they wanted to do a clinical trial with four days of water fasting, and they tagged team with Mayo Clinic, I think, at that time, and they both couldn't recruit people because. Water fasting for four days was so difficult to do and, and again, could, be, could, be, could pose a safety issue. So mm-hmm. the National Institute of Health and specifically the National Cancer Institute actually granted them funds to develop the fasting mimicking diet. They said, okay, maybe we find a way to feed people and keep their cells in a fasting mode. And it was out of necessity to complete a clinical trial that the idea behind the fasting mimicking diet happened. And then uh, after they did the discovery, they said, how can we take it to the market? And it was um, the USC and Professor Longo decided to uh, to then create a company so that the company makes the fasting-mimicking diet available in the market. And that company, they named it L-Nutra, L-Nutra, mm-hmm. and it's longevity through nutrition. And uh, in order to show that this wasn't a business project, this was more of a really uh, a, a trial necessity, but also a mission of giving the FMD to everyone around the world. Uh, Professor Longo donates 100% of his shares in Alutra. Today, it's 58% of the company is all donated back to the Create Cures Foundation. And maybe this is one of the rare, if not the only company in healthcare that donates 50, a for-profit company, but donating 58% of its revenue, of its profits, not revenue, the profits, uh, to um, to the Create Cures Foundation in the foundation uses it to help help you know poor people and fund more research etc professor longo uh, for those who don't know he he was nominated by time magazine as the, among the top 50, 50 most influential people in health
0: based on these fasting discoveries fantastic that's a wonderful wonderful um fact so we may as well dive into that now now because most of my listeners they know that you have to eat a nutrient dense whole food style diet to ensure we avoid things like nutrient deficiency deficiency related diseases, and kind of yeah. the common metabolic concerns that we have in Westernized societies today. But is there a concern about nutrient deficiencies with prolonged fasting and how does the fasting mimicking diet address that? Yeah. I mean, um, again,
1: this is why we said it has to be cyclical. If you go for very prolonged a week, two weeks, of course, there are concerns. And, mm-hmm. and again, I, I want to stress as important to know fasting is so powerful as much as to know that it is not something to just dance around with and um and so so we had well we fasting had
0: studied... sorry just to interrupt you fasting is the cure some people say it's the cure for many illnesses but it's also the cure for life right if you see if you do it too long so yeah
1: so i so of course we don't want people to be nutrient deficient so to start with this is why um, we don't recommend going on, on days and days and, and days, uh, long periods of, of water fast. Um, you know, the same happens with a company. If, again, if you keep that CEO with no, with, no, with no any pound and he needs a million a month for 10, 10 months, he's going to go bankrupt. So that's, that's, that's uh, you know, needless to clarify. But also within the five days, within, you know, so you say a company can handle three, four months of stress and its region rates based on that. But even then, you can make it better. Meaning, instead of giving zero dollars to that CEO, and now he has to—he cannot even produce if he's selling something as a source of revenue. Is the operations, the base operations? We understand you want to stress that company, but the base operation still needs to function. Otherwise, the entire company is disrupted. And and doing even the fasting with the fasting mimicking diet is literally nourishing a little bit of the body while the body is going through this transformation. And. And so you go back to the example of the company, and if you give that CEO $200,000, $250,000, at least he can, he still has the stress of a 800000 so he's still going to do the right thing, but at the same time, he doesn't need to make very abrupt and very difficult decisions that he might pay the price for. So fasting and making diet definitely makes fasting more compliant and safer by not having um, zero calories to eat, but having some carbs, some um, Proteins and we can talk about the composition and how and how it well was studied and, and obviously good fats as well.
0: Yeah, um, maybe so that, outline so them for listeners.
1: Yeah. So the, the development of the fasting mimicking diet started uh, again at the Longevity Institute at the University of Southern California, and and it was a grant, uh, big grants actually by uh, the US government to the National Institute of Health. And the objective was you guys at USC understand how. The PKA, the RAS, and the TOR pathways, these are the main pathways in the cell that processes the signals of carbs and insulin and the signals of protein and IGF, uh, the growth factors. Right. So at the cellular level, the pathways for these nutritional inputs, ingredients, again, mainly carbs and and proteins, and here to clarify, fat is not a, is, you know, when you eat fat, there's no growth factor that surges after right away, and it's not considered a nutrient for the cell. Fat is more of uh, dealt with from a calorie perspective, and that's, that's an important secret to know. What really pushes a cell to grow or to stress and protect are the carbs and the proteins. And, and not all carbs are equal, equivalent, not all sequences of amino acids are equivalent. There are a lot of secrets there, which sequence you know is a bigger sign to the cell to grow. And that has been exploited by the protein industry to grow muscle, right? In, 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 fasting, in the fasting-mimicking it's the opposite is how can I use the other sequences of amino acids that still give the protein to the cell, but without pushing the cell to grow and recognize the food. So lack so of, that's
0: the se- sorry, so lack of branched-chain amino acids, for example. So I know leucine is, stimulates the, the mTOR pathway. Are you talking about essential amino acids, but emission of the branched-chain amino acids?
1: yeah so this is mm-hmm. part of the part of the part of the, the uh, if you want the secret sauce of how can yeah. we, how can we give uh, which sequences of amino acids you can give a cell and how much and which part of the day so that you get uh, you, you're still giving ingredients to the cell without triggering the tor pathway and the recognition uh, when and which chains and how of carbohydrates. And, and in which format, all the way from eating them to the digestion to the glycemic index to the time of the day, because insulin, you know, and cortisol they fluctuate during the day and night, and and we take care of all of that. This is all what we study, and it's, uh, it's uh, this is why it took over 15 years now, and, <laughs> and over 36 million of dollars into the science of aging and the pathways and the fasting and the fasting mimicking, to get all the way here, and so and then how how much you can add of both. Um, uh, the proteins and the carbs and fat and minerals and vitamins because the body needs minerals and vitamins regardless of, uh, you know, uh, to to operate. And how can we put it all together into creating a five-days diet that nourishes the body while at the cellular level it's not triggering enough the PKA, the RAS, and the TOR pathways for cellular recognition. So the body is being nourished, is getting the micro and the macronutrients while the cells still feeling the stress and therefore you get the benefits or many of the benefits of fasting
0: right perfect because you're down regulating those growth those growth factors like you said because i I know that chronic upregulation of things like mTOR IGF-1 RAS those are linked directly to carcinogenicity so i was wondering if you could if there's any, well, not only
1: not only cancer, you know, uh, not only cancer, but every other right. Most chronic diseases are related. This is important because again, we, we still look at medicine by specialty. But you know, if IGF and insulin are high, you're creating that metabolic. First, you're accelerating biological aging, and, mm-hmm. and if your body from the inside, simple example, if you're 40, but you're 50 from inside biologically, you were accelerated for, for or, or 45 or then you're going to see your first diabetes onset or cancer onset or Alzheimer's or, uh, um, you know, cardiovascular disease, you know, getting younger, getting at a younger age. This is what we're witnessing today, right? You know, Alzheimer's wasn't, wasn't the disease of the 60-year-olds before and, and diabetes was definitely not the disease of the 30-year-old and the 40-year-old before. And most cancers were not appearing in that age. Obviously, we're better in diagnosis now, but we've been better in diagnosing those 30 years ago. They're still increasing. Um, So that theory of, oh, now we diagnosed them better. I mean, we diagnosed them better 30 years ago, and and now they're still increasing. So it's very important you asked me when we started why aging. That's exactly what is the biggest risk factor to all these four killers. 87% of us will die out of one of these diseases. They're perfectly correlated with aging. And if you keep the insulin IGF high, you're pushing that growth of the body and you're pushing the biological aging, and therefore you're kind of accelerating the onset of these diseases. Um, you know we're, when we're born, we get into a car and where there's an end date, there's a destination you're taking your car to. and if you're, if you're running at 40 kilometers per hour or 60 kilometers per hour, 60 kilometers are going to get towards your end faster. And that's not what you want today. As to be on a very high protein or very high carb diet uh, you're going to be obese and super inflated and inflamed and and, um, and uh, pushing your cells to uh, uh, to grow fast and you're right igf is linked to carcinogenicity. We have a paper by dr. Longo and in, um, uh, in cell metabolism I think some six years ago now and it was one of the most read papers in their history uh, showing that if you maintain high igf you're increasing uh, risk of cancers by 400%.
0: And that IGF-1, that's increased by both carbohydrates and protein, correct?
1: Yes, the other thing is, you know, we were thinking in medicine linearity, like you you eat more carbs and therefore it's only insulin that increased. No, it's all cross-correlated and Mm -hmm. at the cell level, they cross paths. So definitely if you're more obese, you have a higher risk of cancer as well. And, um, and if you have high IGF and, and you're eating a lot of proteins, definitely the mTOR pathway is the biggest pathway that's pushed. But it's a crossover, and other things are also, uh, um, other pathways are always pushed in the cells as
0: well. Right, I completely understand. So, so far we've talked about fasting, the types of fasting, how it affects the cells and what the fasting mimicking diet is and the potential benefits that that has. Um, just to move on slightly, when, when you were talking about the benefits of the fasting mimicking diet and this is something which I know I'll be asked because many people are aware that extended caloric restriction seems to enhance longevity in animals up to 30% in some, I know there's some mice models which have been enhanced longevity by up to 30%. Um, are the mechanisms by which this happens or which the, the longevity mechanisms with prolonged caloric restriction, are they very similar to the ones that you'd get from fasting or using the fasting mimicking diet?
1: No, actually, it's important that to separate chronic risk, chronic calorie restriction from fasting mimicking diet or intermittent fasting, right? And that's that's a very important distinction. Um, the chronic calorie restriction shows a lot of good metabolic benefits. Obviously, you're going to eat less. You're going to not. You're not going to be obese. You're not going to have hypertension. You're not going to have uh, high uh, cholesterol and triglyceride, right? But at the same mm-hmm. time, it has its own downfalls. Yeah. If you're going to keep the body long on um, mice, and then and then well, the mon- the, the the monkey uh, um, uh, study was. Was a mixed signal, but a human one. And the biosphere, especially the biosphere two with Roy Walford, it shows clearly that hey, you, you're gonna lose muscle as well, mm-hmm. you're gonna lose immunity as well, immune protection as well, and and uh, and other factors. And this is not this is not the best way you want to go. So this is why we're excited about fasting and fasting mimicking. It gives you the stress of the low calorie, but it's not. You don't do it on a long on a long chronic you know, uh, perspective. So instead of doing three months of low calorie restriction or six months or whatever, um, we're very excited about doing a more acute stress, but without depleting the body with chronic calorie restriction, that depletion doesn't happen with fasting as, because you're doing it for a few days with a, with a diet that nourishes you. That's exactly why it is there is, is, and you do cyclicity. You don't go for long, long, you know, weeks and days on, on, um, uh, uh, on, on the fasting perspective. So fasting has, it's a more powerful signal that forgets you a cellular aspect as well. You know, you don't talk on, you know, the science of chronic restriction hasn't shown, you know, rejuvenation regeneration. It's actually shown depletion and, and, and people look really miserable at the end of that. When you do fasting, you look more energized. Mm-hmm. And, um, and um, so the, the, the acute sign of fasting has a bigger impact on the cell and because it's acute as well, it doesn't lead to the depletion. And I think this is one of the secrets of, of intermittent fasting and the fasting-mimicking diet. It's just especially intermittent fasting, you get the metabolic and, and weight benefits. You don't get the cellular benefits. Fasting-mimicking diets, because it's longer in the number of days, and because it's giving you food, you get less of the depletion but more of the effectiveness. And then the prolonged chronic restriction is you get a lot of metabolic benefits but at the
0: expense of a lot of depletion as well. Right. That makes perfect sense. Thank you for clarifying that. Um some people are going to be aware that we, we mentioned cancer, but also prolonged fasting might be a concern because of cancer. C- c- I can never pronounce the word, cachexia.
1: Yeah, I think, again, going back to the same notion of prolonged fasting and prolonged restriction. obviously, for cancer is going to lead to cachexia and, and even without cancer. But doing things on an intermittent basis with fasting is probably from that perspective, you know, the cancer patient is going to lose a lot of weight due to the side effects of chemo and on the GI tract, on the appetite, et cetera. So I'm not sure that chronic kind of restriction is, um, you know, uh, know, would be prescribed there, but the cancer patients need to be in a low IGF and low insulin setting. Mm -hmm. And therefore a lot of studies happening there on fasting, there's a lot of publications coming from the, uh, you know, Walter Longo and the Leiden University in, in, in Holland and other groups on fasting for one day and two days and three days. But basically the concept is really to, um, you know, when you have a cancer, cancer by definition is a cell that keeps replication, replicating without, without inhibition, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's in a simple way. It lost the inhibition, keeps growing. And um, going back to this concept of food as medicine, if, if a cell has to replicate, it means the cell would love two things to happen. Number one, give, a, give the cell food. And number two, help the cell with growth factors. That's the best thing you can bring to cancer today.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: when you fast, you're killing both positive signals. You're just starving the cancer. And number two, you're not allowing IGF and insulin to spike, and therefore there's no growth push to the cancer. The cancer gets confused. The cancer cannot stop like the normal cells of the body. Normal cells of the body, you fast and they stop replication. That's their first defense, and then autophagy, etc. Cancer gets super stressed and confused because it cannot stop replication and gets sensitized. And then if you do that fasting process right before chemotherapy, or now we're studying homotherapy and other and kinase, etc. but a lot of evidence behind chemo that when you starve that cancer before chemo, it gets really sensitized, and chemo kills, you know, hits the cancer that's more weakened now and sensitized to it and, and could lead to more, you know, uh, cellular loss. And there are a lot of papers now showing that in mice and showing that on water fasting for one, two, or I think they maxed the max did three days before it became too difficult to be done, and every day adds benefits
0: fantastic and just for listeners i'll list all the um papers that we've spoken about and the papers that you've mentioned um joseph in the uh, show notes below now we've been talking about fasting and the fasting mimicking diet and people are going to look at some of these papers and they're going to understand that the fasting mimicking diet requires a certain amount of calories and a certain amount of protein certain amount of carbohydrates and fats why can't individuals do this through whole foods
1: yeah um the, the fasting mimicking diet is pretty complicated, um, and that's that's because it's there's a fine line between if you eat less, it means you're going to starve the body, and we start we're talking about hey we don't want to get to starvation, and when you starve the body you're taking high risk on on compliance and on safety. Mm-hmm. If you go beyond it, then the cells recognize the food, and therefore you're not fasting. So the, there's a very thin line. This is what we studied, and this is why it literally took 15 years and and, and millions of research. Is where's that line where I'm feeding enough of the body to make the journey safe and compliant for the consumers, the patients, and not depleting them, not undernourishing them, them, uh, and giving them something they can do. Versus, if you do a mistake and you're cooking your food at home, and and you know, and um, and uh, uh, you know, there's over there's over 66 ingredients um, in, in the fasting mimicking diet. So imagine what, what level of, uh, of, of cooking you need, but still, um, in, 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 and then the cells recognize, say, a signal from IGF or proteins or carbohydrates, and the cells are not fasting. Then there's no autophagy. There's no all the processes of fasting we talked about. Then you're just eating a low-calorie diet. And there are so many low-calorie diets there, out there that you can consume today. They're just not a fasting diet. So, uh, and also where you know it's important in in medicine, right? In 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 I think this is exciting times. Uh, mm-hmm. We're talking about a food that really is being presented now as medicine in, in, in a medical food format. And as doctors and as people who care and licensed practitioners, you know, we uh, safety comes first, efficacy comes second, but also standardization and 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 science and expecting what to expect. So um, uh, we cannot just let people go and, and 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 do whatever they want and expect first the same results and take responsibility of that. And this is part of why nutrition failed. We're saying on one hand, on one hand we say nutrition is the most powerful pill or poison you can have. On the other hand, we cannot name even five diets that or, or that you can swear by and you can say have a lot of benefits, etc. cetera, because just, um, you know, you, coming with theories, a little bit lack of science and not clear packaging like pharma did. Pharma wins because the pharma and, and, and should win on some diseases, obviously, and, and care is very important. But the, the recipe and, and going back to where when I started with why I, I, I wanted to create a market for prevention, because in the pharma sector it's clear you have regulatory processes you have standard products you have an active pharmaceutical in- ingredient and then you produce every pill exactly with the same api that exactly the regulatory you know offices would accept and then the, the doctor and the, and the and the and the prescribers would trust the problem in nutrition you don't put enough science behind it then it becomes uh uh, uh you know, a set of recommendations, and everyone cooks it differently, than ever, then there's no measurable results, and then it becomes a fad, and it goes away. What we've tried to do is we said, look, there's a recipe, there's a clear API here, it's fasting, and we clearly mimic it with food, and we have the exact formulation, and we prepare it in a, in a safe and healthy way, and we ship it in a standardized way to everyone. This is a new pill. This is not just a new book, a new idea, and and it's a unique and rare moment in history where you have the discovery done at multiple universities now,
2: mm-hmm.
1: over 11 universities doing the science with patents, standardized into a prescription, into a formulation, and shipped as is to every patient with the same formulation. So it's the first time we're extremely excited about food as medicine. And I think the, um, just turning that into a set of recommendations, that things that people cannot do and and therefore, you're going to lose all the healthcare support behind it because it's just this is how nutrition has never been able to make it seriously into into medicine into doctors' office because um, you know I was trained as an MD and in top universities I was never been in that seat to respect enough nutrition and feel it's standardized and have enough science to carry.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I do like diets and and plant-based diets and pescatarian understand the general benefits, but. Can I ship to any of my, uh, or, or can any doctor ship to any of his patients, standardized prescriptive food with clear science to do X, Y, and Z? That's not available, but this is how we were able to do it and and open a new chapter in nutrition as medicine with the fasting can diet.
0: Well, that's one of the reasons I was so excited to speak to you, Joseph. So, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, um, and and hopefully we're, this is this is I think a lot of a lot of learning here for the audience, but actually it's a lot of excitement because most of us in functional medicine, you know, we're at the, we're the bridge, right. Functional medicine is the bridge between medicine, which we, 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 you know, we went to school for, but at the same time, um, uh, um, uh, you know, doing more than a pill for every symptom and taking care of the body as a, from a holistic perspective and empowering nature and the body's own ability to heal itself. So, um, I think that's the fasting mimicking diet is one of the few evidence based nutritional intervention nutrition technologies can empower that line of thought and bring it to mainstream medicine.
0: And just to to outline something like when you're talking about longevity and there's a lot of reasons that you've outlined why this fasting mimicking diet could increase longevity. How? How many times a year can someone do, should someone do the fasting mimicking diet to have long-term benefits for longevity? And secondly, does longevity always have the same effect on health span? So if you increase one, are you talking about, you automatically increase the other?
1: So, you know, there's, there's no one size fits all. So it depends, the, the answer on how many times you should do it per year is, the, this is depends on the, on the individual if you're healthy, um, you're mid-age, and you want to do it more to kind of put your system in check, you know, I, I always say, take your car to the mechanics, right? You take it two, two times a year to the mechanics, you go two times to the dentist, and the same thing, if you're healthy, and you're just going for a checkup, and you're going to, um, you know, you can do the fasting, and begin diet two to three times a year, that's it. You just want to uh, allow your body to not be chronically spoiled and chronically allow cells to kind of uh, not be effectively doing their job and and so use the fasting mimicking diet from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're if you're not healthy and meaning especially if you're carrying overweight, you have certain you know uh, uh, goal and health objective in mind, then you can do what we tested also in in most clinical trials. We do three cycles in a row uh, once per month the fasting mimicking diet. Is just five days per month, so you do it month one, month two, month three. This is the way to, you know, when you do it sequentially, it's just you're you're keeping the benefits of the previous box and and you're training this person to change a lifestyle. You know, one of the advantages, we two advantages we didn't talk about about the fasting mimicking diet is that first it's a five days diet, and we hear it from our kids. We have a ninety one percent completion rate that doesn't exist in in, in nutrition because That's every nutrition easy. is like a long Yeah, it's a long process. You know, every day I have to be in a nutrition and I will default, obviously, one day. Now, in the fasting and making diets, it's only five days. Mm -hmm. There's a day one, there's a day five. And most people complete it. And when they complete it, they feel that they won for the first time. They achieved the diet. They see the benefits very fast. So other advantages is, you know, fasting is such a big signal to the body that you see the benefits very fast. Lose the weight, feel the energy, but also most people report a change of relationship with food. Right. And so when you, so in, in the 25 days in between, they're not jumping back on a pizza and a, and a pasta and, and a burger right away. They feel that, Hey, I, I was able to stay five days on, on this, you know, low calorie plant-based uh, uh, it was tasty. It was great, but it helped me understand I don't need these big portions. I'm I don't need to be addicted on my Coke every day and all of that. So so there's a behavioral change, and when you do it three times in a row over three months, it just inspires you every time. There's a lot of science from Stanford and BJ Fogg on how to really change the behavior of people. It wasn't by the diets we're doing, meaning imposing every day something on them, as much as inspiring them with small wins, so that they really, genuinely start changing their lifestyle. And we see that happening. So if somebody has a health con- has a, a, a health goal and, and is is an overweight, etc. They could do it three months in a row and then once every four uh three to four months just pay to maintain and if they achieve their goal is just more of a maintenance so we say two to three times a year or three times in a row and then once uh you know every quarter or every every four or five months depend on needs to maintain
0: okay fantastic um, Thank- sorry carry on.
1: There, there was a second part of the question I think which um, um, you were talking about health span and longevity,
0: yeah are they um, connected it, or... yeah for
1: sure and 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 again, the fasting mimicking diet, what we showed is impact markers of aging, so we cannot promise longevity uh, you know uh, uh you cannot promise someone to live longer mm-hmm. ethically, you cannot promise, but obviously, this is why you 're trying to do the right thing today from a from a lifestyle perspective is to ultimately try to live longer but the, what you can what you can talk about is really healthy aging and healthspan meaning we're trying today instead of you uh, not having the right lifestyle today and therefore inducing uh, a mismatch from the metabolic and weight perspective we're trying to help you have the right lifestyle today so that you age in a healthier way rather than um again as we talked before having sp- multiple spikes of insulin igf for 18 hours during the day mm-hmm. and so that healthy aging uh, is more correlated to what called health span, meaning how long how, how how what's the chunk of your life that you're healthy versus sick uh, so health span is is how long, how many years you are gonna live where you're healthy before the diagnosis of your first chronic disease? Um, and obviously the healthier you are for a longer period, potentially you're gonna live longer. so that's that's the main correlation. Today, medicine, Going back to how we started the podcast today, Mm -hmm. medicine is practicing sick care and we might be, we we actually are not living longer, by the way, in the U S the last four years, we lost zero point years on our lifespan. Mm -hmm. So for the first time in recent history, we lost 0.4 years on our lifespan in the U S, although we're spending $2.3 trillion on healthcare because we're practicing sick care. Um, You know, um, most of the money is going on the last few months of life and to only add a few months of, of life to your life after being sick. And that's not the way to to help on a societal perspective. It's definitely the way to help a dear and loved one, and you want to keep them alive longer. But from a societal perspective, you want to invest more on in keeping people healthier longer so that they have, they have a longer health span and a much more graceful long, longevity rather than uh, adding years of pain and suffering and, and high expenditure to their life, which helped us in the 60s, 70s, and 80s to prolong a little bit our longevity, but now we're not prolonging it. It's just we're shortening our health span and living longer sick. uh, and uh, Living sick for a longer period, but not even living longer after that.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Something obviously crucially has to change. Yes. Joseph, I know we're coming to the end of the podcast or we're coming up on time, um, but I just want to ask you the, the last three questions which I ask everyone that comes on the show, with the first one being, what is the biggest health change that you have made in your life and why?
1: I think the biggest change is uh, I'm now I'm an avid practitioner of the twelve twelve uh, fasting. So I, I kind of, I used to eat late at night uh, and because, you know, we're executive, we stay very long hours and and you know working you know up until midnight at one and two <laughs> yeah and um and once i started learning the science of intermittent fasting and i understood the value of the 12 12 i think the best thing i've done is try to adopt that um and um and doing you know fasting and begin diet you know three times a year that was really important but i think that daily daily uh uh being cognizant every day that you know uh um having an earlier dinner and allowing the space for my body to digest consume absorb and then consume what i've ate instead of always you know eating multiple times a day and this is how you know in the 80s and the 90s if you remember the school of thought in nutrition and medicine was eat multiple times a day and all the time and i think that's that obviously doesn't work it had a good angle where you know eat smaller portions multiple times like you don't spike as high insulin and mm-hmm. you're using digestion and spending calorie, but practically people end up eating a lot multiple times rather than a little <laughs> bit multiple times. And, and, and we're keeping our insulin IGF high. So I think that was the most important thing is for my health span is, uh, is allowing that 12 hours of fast during the day.
0: Fantastic. And the second one, how can healthcare become more integrated with some of the interventions and concepts that you've outlined today?
1: I think the the the, um, the missing bridge was science. Mm-hmm. Um, we have we had one clan called doctors and evidence-based medicine, and, and I'm coming from that clan, and 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 only uh, adopting slow anything coming new up until it's proven, et cetera. You had another clan of, you know, sets of books and publications and theories and podcasts and everyone every day picking uh, a, a new theory and throwing it in the market, and one day it's keto, and the second day is paleo, and the third day is uh, is intermittent fasting, and the fourth day is 20 hours, and the sixth day is 22 hours. This this There was need to be a bridge, because both clans are right and both clans are wrong. We should definitely have science and, and, and evidence based behind what we say, and this is what the second clan lacked, but also medicine is not only about pills when we're sick, Medicine is about staying healthier and, and having, and lifestyle medicine should be as big, if not bigger, than medicine. So, but lifestyle medicine never invested big time in um, in proving what it's saying and standardizing what it's saying so that the evidence based clan respected. And I think this is what the FMD, the fasting mimicking diet, is it's building that bridge, it's bringing lifestyle medicine to medicine. And the passport, the bridge was science and evidence based. And we took all the time to do mice trials and human trials mm-hmm. and it in universities and publish them in top tier journals and i think that's that's the bridge
0: yep absolutely key and last but not least can you please provide the listeners and i know you've provided many already with three quick tips to help improve their health and well-being from today
1: so um i think the longevity has five pillars and right I always let's go with five <laughs> yeah let's do five so nutrition and they are, Intermittent fasting, the 12 hour. I think that's that's shouldn't be even called. I mean, it's it's part of it should be part of your life. It's what it was part of humanity for for hundreds of thousands of years. It just only recently we started eating all the time, and um, and doing in eating a plant based or pescatarian diet, and doing you know two to three times a year the fasting mimicking. Probably that's the nutrition optimization part. Is the exercise part definitely uh, you know do your 30 minutes three, four, or five, or six or seven as many times as you can, but the exercise is definitely important for longevity and health span. Um, And then um, stress, you know, we're talking now in this this period of COVID and this period of uncertainty, and already without that, life is becoming very stressful. And stress is one of the, uh, uh, I think, has major impact on our longevity. So make sure you manage your stress, you meditate, you pray, Um, uh, you take time to have a purposeful thoughts in your life you know we all are are moving from inspirational purpose to more materialistic purpose in life and and materialistic purpose whether it's a promotion at work whether it's better revenue whether it's becoming a a next best thing is just that's never going to end we need to have a more purposeful life an inspirational purposeful life and that's going to create that happiness inside of you which is going to help you live healthier longer um, and then I always talk about sleep as number mm-hmm. four. It's very really important to uh, sleep your good seven, eight, or nine hours and, and sleep quality as well. Unfortunately, now with stress, we're sleeping less uh, with lower quality. With uh, the central obesity, 73% of America's obese and, and lower rates, but higher rates as well in Europe. And that's, that's you know, it's just a vicious circle, and we need to sleep better quality and quantity. And then finally, but it's not actually final, it might be, might be as important as nutrition or, or right after nutrition, is receiving and giving love. You know, is, is the social capital. Is, is we, what makes us human and rematches us with, with what we're meant to, to be is, is really family, is friends, is parents, is wives, is kids. And is being happy on a everyday, uh, uh, everyday's, uh, you know everyday's life that, that level of happiness and social connection is so important for our inner peace. And when you have that, your body is operating in a much less stressful and, 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 and higher quality and I think that's important for longevity. So diet, exercise, stress, sleep, and social capital and happiness.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing those two more tips than we were expecting. So that's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> um, Joseph, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. But before you go, can you please tell the listeners where they can find you and what exciting projects you have coming up?
1: Um, they can find me um, on um, definitely Facebook and LinkedIn. But I'm also my my profile is uh, again I'm the CEO of uh, L Nutra, mm-hmm. and L is Longevity Through Nutrition. My bio is there. They can email us and reach, reach out to me there. Any one of you, whether you're a physician, a nutritionist, a consumer, and, 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 or average Joe on the street, would love to support you in any way, shape, or form. Um, and, um, and what was the second part of the question?
0: Um, what project do you have coming up?
1: I think um, I'm very, very excited about the, the clinical trials. I'm going on a fasting-mimicking diet. Uh, for certain conditions, and I cannot reveal those, but I think um, you know we have uh, uh, many trials happening, and to show uh, once and for all what what fasting with food or the fasting we can diet can do to certain conditions, and that would that would be a lifetime a lifetime achievement for me. Um, I, you know, I went to med school, I wanted to treat patients in a clinical setting, and I thought I have a bigger call through. Health policy and health systems reform and this is why I did my studies there and then I felt that the biggest way I can do now impact on the health system is to improve prevention and then I noticed that nutrition and aging are the core of prevention and then I discovered nutrition actually is not just prevention and weight but it could could be a a medical intervention and we're trying to prove that now so that would close the circle of my lifetime achievement for me and, and help me bring something to the market and to patients and to doctors that empowers them to change not just a life from aging perspective but hopefully from a health condition perspective well that is
0: absolutely wonderful joseph again huge pleasure to have you on the show i've really enjoyed the conversation and i've learned a hell of a lot and i look forward to reading the articles um, and i do hope that we can do this again soon
1: yes well thank you very very much hopefully uh, you guys enjoy this
0: Thank you for listening to the Functional Health Podcast. You can find links to everything that we talked about today in the show notes. If you have a second, please consider leaving a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does make a huge difference and helps get this valuable information out and reach more people. Don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date and know whenever I release a new episode. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook or our website and all questions are welcome. As always, thanks to Joss Aurelia for the editing and Alan Harper for his support.